News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyke from Dutch Growers. How's it going, Rick? Good morning. It's good to be back. Yeah. It's been a while for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. It's gone for... I was gone for, yeah, three weeks, but on the show, it's been a little bit longer than that because the way the timing worked yeah, out. Yeah, just how but, things kind of go. Yeah, and Yeah, so my daughter took up the, the torch and did a good job. Yeah. And yeah, no, so it's, it was fun to be away, and uh, but it's good to be back. and um, Getting ready for another season. Getting ready for another season, back in the greenhouse and getting things ready for all the hanging baskets, which we all start planting up on Wednesday. Oh, really? So, That's uh, pretty quick. So we start doing all that. So they're all ready for the for Mother's Day, right? So oh, we yeah. get them all started growing. So Wednesday we start doing all the big hanging baskets. and All the big prep start, work. Starting all the perennials and everything else. So, yeah, things are really... We've already done a bunch of um, lily bulbs and those kind of things already. and uh, But now the bigger production starts happening on Wednesday. So Really ramping up. Wrap it up, so it's it's exciting. <laughs> yeah. So it's good to have the break, you know, being yeah. away. And um, yeah, I was telling Aaron just before the show about you know, you know, last Monday morning we were swimming in the ocean, and then <laughs> then we come home. We we went for walks on the on the beaches all every morning, and then we decided, okay, we're going to keep this up, and yep. we go for a walk. Uh, we over by Blockstrap and out in the open there, and and uh, the wind started started coming up, and uh, started we saying. On the way back, we were walking into the wind, yep. and, and our legs, our faces, everything was pretty cold. Not this quite is, the same ocean breeze. Not the snow <laughs> and the sand is kind of two different things. Similar color, <laughs> totally different experience. Yeah. Yeah. And then we came home uh, last uh, Tuesday morning at uh, about 3 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. and uh, the deer... We're, my truck was basically parting the ways going down my driveway. <laughs> they moved the, in while they, you were gone. They moved in while I was gone and they decimated my yard. Ugh. Even the junipers, I have a bunch of, I just planted last uh, August a bunch of low creeping junipers. Yeah. There's little round circles dug into this two feet of snow. Really? Where every single juniper was. And they dug down just in the perfect circle. They dug down for those junipers. They could smell them through the snow. Sniping those. And uh... they, they <laughs> ate them. Yeah, they ate, and they had uh, I had a uh, uh, basically a topiary, which is a you know up on a stick, yeah. and then a muco pine up on a stick, and uh, the standard we call it. And I had a snow fence around it, and they ripped the snow fence off it, and they and wow. it's, it's just a stick. There's no topiary anymore. <laughs> Must be really hungry if they're going to this I much think effort. They're very hungry. They're across the lake from me is is the provincial campground for okay. Blockstrap, and that's where they stay during the day. And you watch these thirty deer come across the lake at night. Just come as like just, a crowd. It's like just... a trail. It's like a, it's like one after another. So one, they, you watch them coming out of the bush. Uh, when one comes up, and you kind of see it in the in the dusk is starting to come. Yeah. And then they just start one after another coming across. <laughs> you so, can just see the convoy of deer yeah. heading your way. <laughs> so me and my dog Max have been in a vigil since 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 Tuesday morning. Yep. Two or three times a day, sometimes, and uh, getting them out. And now this morning is the first morning we didn't have deer curled up against our house. Well, you're doing so, something right then. So they're going to the neighbors now. <laughs> if the neighbors are hearing this, yes, I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> but we finally got them to change their pattern of not making my home yeah. where their nest, where they're, they're where they're, stop. Curl, they're curled up. 
<laughs> yeah, my whole grass areas are just, they had snow banks on a bunch of them, and they just dug all the snow banks. Just looking for anything. They were eating all the, because I planted new grass. Yeah. And they were looking for that new green grass underneath there, and they're hungry. Yeah. There's just too many deer in a small area, and um, they're, the drought last year, all the grass in the yeah. fields are all, it's all brown. There's not much food value there. And um, so they're just looking for whatever they can find. They're looking for whatever they can find. Yep. And unfortunately, this time it was your yard. <laughs> and, and there's, and when I we went for a walk, there was three deer along the hills that were, had passed away during the wintertime oh. just because they, yeah, they probably, whether it be old age or it was during the, you had with big cold snap while we we're gone. Yep. They might have, you know, froze because not enough food or whatever, you know, but, um, but that drew all the coyotes to the area too. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's a real uh, it's a real study in the, study. Ecosystem in the ecosystem this winter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's how it works, right? It's the, yeah. the survival of the fittest. That's how it works, and so. Yep. And I, my yard is a part of the survival. <laughs> <laughs> You're the buffet, this, the buffet this winter. I was the buffet this last three weeks. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was interesting. But I, I covered all the, I put fences around everything that I thought, but I didn't think they had ripped some of the fences down. So. You're, you know, you're doing all the things that yep. we tell people to do Dude. every year, you yep. know, put up the snow fence, put, you yep. know, like try to try to block the access. And sometimes they're just a little smarter than us. Well, I what, think. what I saw, some of my neighbors did that, too. And I think I'm going to do that from now on is that they put burlap around each plant. Oh, OK. And it looks like that burlap worked better than the snow fence because the hmm. snow fence, I don't know why they can, whether they can smell through it or they can see the plant. Oh, so maybe. they just, they paw at the fence and they rip it apart and everything else. But the burlap I've seen around uh, the community, they haven't touched those. Hmm. So not as interested in the burlap. Not as interested in the burlap. So I might have to change that and wrap them with burlap <laughs> all next winter or, or put Switch a, it up a little bit. Or stick a bunch of, for the wintertime, stick a bunch of posts to the ground and put a deer fence up, you know? Yep. And uh, you can get actually a, a, a black deer fence that's about seven feet tall. Okay. And then you can put some posts in for the, for the, just in the fall, put this fence up. And that's what I might have to do too, is just to keep them out. Yeah. Uh, we have Marnie waiting oh, on the line in cool. Saskatoon. Good. Let's, uh, let's jump to that. Good morning. What's your question for Rick today? Good morning, you guys. Good morning. I have two short questions, yep. sure. hopefully for you. Indoor plants. Yep. Number one, I have a ponytail palm. Yep. That has not been transplanted in years. Okay. To the point where I don't remember how to transplant it. Okay. I imagine it's completely root bound. Most likely. And it's in a clay pot. I'm okay. not even sure if I can get it out without smashing the pot, but I just would like to know, should I put it? Like I have a much larger pot that I'd like to put it in. Yep. Um, but is, how much larger any, is it than the one you have? It's about, I would say, diameter-wise, it's about three inches wider. Okay, that's not too bad. And then depth, it's quite, It's this palm is in a very shallow pot right now. Yep. Um, and it's a deeper pot yep, that, that I'd like to put it in. That's fine, but it's, a, it's the width I'm more worried about. So you're only talking about an inch and a half that'll be at the edges. If it's three inches wider, it'll be about an inch and a half more soil that you're going to put around all, all the way around the outside edge, correct? Yep. Yeah. yeah so that, that's fine because they, they, like, they don't mind being root bound a bit, okay? And okay. so if you go in too big of a pot, it takes too long for them to get the roots to the outside of the pot, okay? Okay. Yep. And, and they like having their roots sitting on that outside of the pot. Okay. Okay. And okay. so, um, but yeah, you can transplant it uh, just with a ponytail. You can just use a regular, um, um, regular uh, soil, uh, potting soil, 
So mm-hmm. any one that you have in stock or any ones you could find around, and uh, that'll work. It doesn't have to be a special mix or anything like that. Okay. Um, and uh, what you want to do, if, it, if you find that it's really root-bound, when you pull mm-hmm. the plant out of the pot, is it is it just a regular tapered pot or is it a is it a you know rounded pot it's rounded okay yep. so that's where you're gonna have the problem so i know you you might have to take the old hammer yep. and <laughs> the <laughs> extra step and just take it out because it probably won't come out if it's if it's belled it'll be the soil will be belled and you'll never pull it out yeah so, i was thinking that okay so you might okay. have to just you know break the pot to get it out and then um what you may want to do is you'll see all the roots that are basically curled around the outside edge of the pot, you might want to just take your fingers and sort of just tickle them out a bit, okay? Okay. So that mm-hmm. they it doesn't continue the circle, that it can get some roots out and get out to the out to the new the new exterior, you know, of the soil, to the edge okay. of the pot. And, yeah, um, yeah then uh, this is a good time of the year. I always like March, March and April are good times of the year to, to transplant your, your plants. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know this daylight hours are starting to get longer, yep. and the plants are yep. starting to wake up, and it's a, just a good time to get your transplanting done. Oh, that's good. And my second question is: I have I don't know how to pronounce it. I just bought it about three weeks ago, a monstera or monstra yep. or something. Yep. yep. Um, so I, when I bought it, it's about I'd say a foot high, foot and a half, and completely full beautiful, big leaves, shiny, and within the last week and a half, they've all gotten yellow, they're getting black spots on them. I've cut several off, thinking it's just stressing the plant. It's also getting one new leaf, but I don't know what's causing the damage to the existing leaves, if it's just the change. It's a change in environment, first of all. Yeah. Right? And okay. I'll change the light conditions, all that kind of stuff, okay? Okay. So, um, okay. so just, just watch, uh, make sure that you're, when you're, you don't overwater it, especially you know, in the wintertime here, because it, obviously it would have came out of a greenhouse somewhere, right? Yes. And uh, so in perfect conditions and, you know, warm and lots of light and everything else. And now it's sort of saying, uh, just sort of protesting a bit, right? <laughs> Understood. <Yep. laughs> and so just watch out that you're you're not going to overwater. That, that's the number one thing. Um, I'd, I'd like to leave in the top inch and a half of soil to dry out completely almost. Okay. Bef- before I'll water it again. Mm-hmm. And then that's so you stick your finger. I like sticking my index finger into it, or if you don't have a moisture meter, mm-hmm. stick my index finger into the soil. If I feel moisture, I don't water it. Okay? okay. And once it's totally dry, when I stick my index finger as far as I can, then what I'll do is I'll water it so it come, the water comes out the bottom of the pot. Okay. Okay. And then, then, I, then I don't water it again until that top inch and a half is dry. Okay. So I'm a, my other concern is. I've got one new leaf coming, yep. and then I have one existing leaf that isn't showing any signs of damage, yep. but some of the other ones are. I'm scared about clipping off too many leaves, and then there's that's, no plant left. That's correct. And mm-hmm. then it'll struggle. Yep. So I, I would just leave those leaves there because your okay. you're probably, like I said, it's just stressed from being in a different location. Okay. And so what I would suggest is just watch your watering because a lot of times when you get the black spots, especially at the edge of the leaves and that, it has yep. to do with your watering and the type of water you have. Also, okay. if you can, try to even use snow water right now. You know, melt wa- sure. snow water and then let it get to room temperature and then use that as well. Okay. And my last question is, which I 
probably know the answer. Now would not be the time to transplant that plant, would it? No, it's it's that new. It doesn't need to be. Okay. Because yeah, you're, you're just going to stress it some more. Let it, ad- let, it let, let it adapt to what your area. And okay. uh, because it all, there's not very much plant in the top, like you were saying, so it doesn't need that big root system. So it's it's fine. Don't don't disturb the roots right now. Okay. okay. All right. Thank Thanks so much for much. your call. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a great day. You, you too. too. Okay. Bye. We are going to take a quick break, but you can give a call or text to Rick one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. This is Garden Talk on six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. Rick, we already have a call waiting for us, so Good. we won't make James wait too yep. much longer. For sure. Good morning, James. What's your uh, What's your question for Rick today? Uh, yes, uh, the question I have is: Me and my daughter had uh, planted an apple seed from uh, an apple that my son ate, and we've been growing in this this tree for the last. Uh, I don't know, eight, nine months. Yep. And it's about five, about four and a half, five feet tall now. We're growing it in the house here. Good for you. Uh, keep keeping it going. And yep. we're just wondering when it would be a good a good time to uh, to move it outside and what are the best things we could do to make sure to help it survive out there to, once we transplant it out there. Okay, so there's a couple of things you're going to need to do is that uh, this apple tree is, is not going to be the same apple as what you pick, what your son ate. Okay. Okay. Um, it's been cross-pollinated. Basically, it'll revert down back to a rootstock, and I'm not sure what size. Hopefully, that rootstock you have will be hardy. Okay. Uh, okay. Because most of the hardy ones are 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 put on a on a certain rootstock, you know, for for Saskatchewan. Yeah. And uh, and then what they do is they bud on. They take a bud from a a, a tree that has you want like a whether you'd have a um, you know a a, a, a a honey crisp apple okay. or a fall gold apple or September ruby apple. You take a bud off of one of your other trees and then you bud it onto that tree that you're, you have growing right now. And then that bud will start growing and then eventually you'll cut off. Once that bud starts growing, you'll cut off the, your tree that you have growing that's four feet tall. And then yeah. that bud will take over and that will be your new plant. Okay. Oh, okay. Cause, okay. uh, cause that one tree that you have right now will probably have just little tiny crabs. Okay. Uh, okay. 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 So it won't have. So, like I said, I'm just not sure what variety of apple he ate or not, mm-hmm. those kind of things. But uh, it depends on because it'll revert back to the rootstock of what that tree was. But if it was a BC apple, let's say it might not survive the winter here. But you wouldn't put it outside until 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 the risk of frost is gone. Okay? Yeah. Okay. So you're looking not until the May May yeah. long weekend. Okay. Perfect. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. So once you get it growing in that, then you can always give me an email or give me a phone call or whatever, and then we can go through how you can really bud that plant and get it to grow and keep keep your keep your kids happy on, on <laughs> yeah, they she, be successful. Keep the growing, project going. Growing, growing, growing. Yeah, she's pretty excited about it. Like I said, we germinated it. Like you don't just yep. eat and put it in the paper towel and everything, and just grew. That's awesome. Know, and yeah, it's been like I said, it's four and a half, five feet tall. Yep. It's been. 
it's been growing really well. So. so now you can have the next educational part of how to bud something onto that tree. And yeah. you, can, you can look into budding apple trees. You can look it on the Internet, and it'll give you some descriptions of how to do a tea bud and how you do that. And you'd collect the, the bud. You'd, you'd want to collect the bud basically in, in, in March or April and put it in the fridge. And then later on, when, when the tree starts growing outside, that's when you're going to bud that bud onto it. Okay. 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 And so, well, maybe yeah, I'll have to send you an email or look yep. it up there and Absolutely. go from there. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much for your time. You're Thanks, welcome. James. Yep. Bye. That's a cool project. That's a cool project. It's fun. Like yeah. uh, budding and grafting is. I mean, you're not seeing it. It's it's an art you'll see out in BC and yeah. that, but it's not done in the prairies as much anymore unless it's more of a hobby mm-hmm. because they can grow them so fast when they do it commercially yeah. out in British Columbia because the plants they can get four feet and yeah it's a it's a faster process in one, in out one there. season and the plant grows really fast and so uh, there's only a few people who can do it commercially here in Saskatchewan anymore but uh, but uh, but it's fun as a hobby like that yeah. to create your own plant that's awesome we only ever grew tomatoes <laughs> <laughs> still fun yep and yeah it's it's not that hard to do and it's yeah. just a matter of uh just alert, just and there's so much information on on the internet now of how to do it you get you get videos and pictures where you can actually follow along and yeah it's uh it's lots of fun and then you have the satisfaction that you grew your own tree yeah you did all this yourself did all yourself uh, we have a kind of a cool backyard project that people can do this weekend too all, all about birds absolutely and all you have to do is look out your window. Look out your window. <laughs> um, we have the Great Backyard Bird Count yep. uh, running today and tomorrow. And w- what do people have to do? They just kind of yep. see what's in their yard? Just count what's on the, in the yard, whether it be a chickadee or be a sparrow or be a blue jay or a crow, magpie, doesn't matter. <laughs> and uh, so you just look out your window or go take a walk in your neighborhood and then you can go on to this and you can sign. Yeah, the you can, bird count or just yeah, birdcount.org. Birdcount.org. Yeah. And you log and your findings. This is a, count, a bird count that's happening right now from uh, basically February 17th to 21st. So until tomorrow, mm-hmm. it's happening around the world. Oh, wow. So it's not just Canada. No. It's around the world. So they're doing a bird count and they just want people from their backyards. They don't, you don't have just to taking go, a look around, just take a look around. <laughs> so it's a fun thing to do because the kids are off right, right yeah. now. And why not figure out what kind of birds in my backyard and then I can, you can get them to go online and, and uh, actually input, have an input of, of what of the bird count around the world. I like it. That's cool. I mean, a lot of pigeons in my neighborhood, but they count too. <laughs> they count too. Absolutely. <laughs> we are going to take a quick break for news and we'll get to, looks like Tom just uh, joined us on the line here. So we'll get to Tom when we get back from our news break. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. If you have a question or just need some tips, you can give us a call at 1-877-332-8255. We'll start off with Tom, who's patiently been waiting through the break for us. Good morning, Tom. What's your question for Rick? Oh, yeah, I know. I was talking to him about it last fall or August or somewhere in there, August or something, yep. about um, predators, <laughs> the praying mantis. Yes. Like, the best for your garden. Yep. Yeah, they work awesome. Like, we, they're becoming more and more popular now. And, uh, like, all, all those beneficial insects, you know, yep. rather than using chemicals to spray your yard, using the beneficial ladybugs and and predatory mites, you know, and also the especially the praying mantis because 
they're just fascinating. I mean, yeah, they're really cool. You, you get this little sack, a little egg sack, and then they pop out, and there's just these tiny little wee things. Because my my daughter found out about them the hard way. The kids brought one home, and they and they went away for the weekend. They came back and. They didn't have it inside a little cage, and it's all of a sudden these little oh. tiny praying mantis were over her whole kitchen. <laughs> so the kids are going around collecting all these things, and they put them out in the yard, and they they do an excellent job. Uh, and and then by the end of the summer, they're big. Yeah. And so that means they're eating a lot. So they they do eat a lot of bugs. So it's uh, it's one thing nice about that is that they just sort of seek and destroy, and they're just a good thing to have. Well, you said, I think you were telling me at that time, too, that they do eat ladybugs, too, don't they? They, the praying mantis will eat anything, pretty much anything that crawls. <laughs> so anything that comes within their, within their reach. But I mean, they do like, you know, things like aphids, especially because they're, they're yeah. easy for them to get because they're just, aphids kind of just sort of docile and just sort of hang on yeah. the branches and suck. So they'll just feed on them all the time. So that they, they do you, like those. Eat it like if you have potato bugs or something, you think they'd eat them? They, they might. I'm not even, I'm not sure if they'll eat potato bugs because it's such a hard yeah. shell on them, you know, they might not be able to, but I mean, Predators are predators. I mean, I'm sure if they were on the potatoes, they would probably go after them too. As long as there's a food source, prey mantis love to eat anything. Okay, and and then I think you were telling me at that time too that you can uh, you can overwinter them, right? Or yeah, you have to you have to catch them, right? You can find them. I mean, and you could put them into a little aquarium and just treat them just like your. You, but you have to get some. You have to have food for them, right? Yeah. Obviously. So, uh, but other than that, yeah, you definitely can keep them as a as a, a lot of people have them in their aquariums and that kind of stuff as a as a as an insect as a pet almost, right? Well, right. Yeah, yep. yeah, because they're kind of cool. Yep. Yeah. And you'd want a few of them because you want them to actually reproduce again. You know, in in your aquarium in the summertime, in the wintertime, and then you can release a whole bunch of them again. And well, then what uh, would you feed them then? And, and- you feed them like flies, and a lot of times you can go to your to the pet stores, yeah. and they have all kinds of insects that yeah. they you feed all their your 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 little geckos. People have geckos and different little yeah. lizards and everything else, so you can get you can buy insects at your pet stores to feed them as well. Yeah, because I'd like to get some of them. Like I don't know if I could pick them up in PA or not. Like like I'm uh, I'm an hour out of PA. So yeah yeah. Well, if you ever have nobody, somebody that comes into Saskatoon, uh, we'll have them available in in May as well. So, and you can pick them up there. So when's a good time you think to put? Well, I guess you got to wait till your stuff comes up in your garden. To that's, that's right. So you're going to be putting them out once once there's food source but remember aphids aphids come out when they're when your leaves and your in your in your shrub beds and that start popping out you'll have aphids right away so there'll be food for them but you're basically looking around the may long weekend okay that's when you're going to put them out there and then once you get your sack earlier than that because you can order them and have them available in the beginning of may then you can just put them in the fridge and keep them dormant until the time comes when you want to put them out in the yard around the may long weekend Oh, I didn't know you could put them in the fridge. Yeah, that'll keep them dormant, so they won't, they won't, then they won't hatch on you. Okay, so okay. then the best thing to do would be to phone your store then and probably orders. Yep, yeah, where they'll be the, from now on, from now until spring, they'll be taking orders and those kind of things on on all those kind of beneficial insects. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I, I I like your show and thanks for the information. Thanks very much. Thanks, thanks Tom. for listening. Bye. Bye now. We have a couple texts we can probably get to here before the break. Uh, we'll start off with this one from Trevor. I have a raised garden, 2,260 cubic feet of dirt. I burn wood in the winter. How many six 
cubic foot wheelbarrows of ash can I add a year? Uh, a crude form of potash. Yeah. You're thinking. Ash, I mean, you're, we're seeing the benefits of, 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 of charcoal and ash in, for carbon capturing mm-hmm. the soil and also being little condos for all these little microbes that basically eat things in the soil and feed the plants, yeah. right? And so they're starting to use that kind of stuff in larger scales on farms as well. Okay. Soil of the health is huge. In fact, when you think about Gardenscape coming up on the 24th of, yeah. uh, of uh, March here, they're going to have uh, seminars about soil health, and they'll be talking about all those different ways you can make your soil healthy to make your plants grow better. Mm-hmm. So you can do that. Uh, now, uh, I, I, how big did he say his garden uh, He said 2,260 cubic feet of dirt. So I gotta I gotta do the calculations. Yeah, we'll have to maybe do some math here. <laughs> I'll do some math <laughs> and figure that out. But uh, if he wants to, he can always uh, give me a, uh, an email, Rick at DutchGrowers dot com, and then I can give him a little bit better calculations without just going off the top of my head here. <laughs> without the quick math. Without the quick math, and Perfect. and then you can figure we can figure it out that way. Sounds like a plan. Um, we have this one from Daryl in Saskatoon. Crab apple tree, maybe. Yep. yep. <laughs> Bought a house last summer, about 40 years old. Uh, crab fruiting wood uh, has two producing branches. The primary trunk does look alive, um, but has some rotting and actually hollow limbs that have been cut off. Yes. Is it worth trying to keep this alive? Um, we're having a similar issue with an elderberry tree. Yeah, elderberries, I mean... the. It's, it's, they grow so fast, they, they don't tend to last, live for a long time. Okay. So I, what I tend to do with an elderberry is I, they when get, it's done, it's done. <laughs> no, I cut it down to the ground. Oh, okay. And then let it rejuvenate. Not a bad deal. Don't you wish we could do that? I know. You know? <laughs> It'd be nice. <laughs> Just start again? Yeah. Redo. <laughs> yeah, but you, I've done that with, it takes, uh, takes about three to five years to get the elderberry to get to a nice big grander size mm-hmm. again. But you can get it to come, it'll come up from the base again and start growing again. Now, the apple tree is a different story. Yeah. Because uh, it's grafted and that, once you start getting those hollow parts, it'll, this, you'll start getting what we call a heart rot into it. Okay. And so, um, if it's doing that, then it's, it's slowly going to be on its way out. Okay. So you might want to think about planting another apple tree and then, and so that it can be growing and then eventually, um, Cut the other tree yeah. down. Now you got the other one started, and now because it takes a couple of years to get your apples producing, mm-hmm. and now by the time you're, those that tree is starting to produce well, you can cut the other tree down. Okay, so might just have to do a little bit of uh, yeah. rearranging in the yeah. yard, I guess. Yeah, and just make sure that you yeah just just keep pruning and and uh, the other tree, and and if you can try to seal up so the water doesn't go down the stem and into those holes because okay. it just make it rot quicker. So there's some ways you can put spray foam in mm-hmm. foam. I like drilling a hole from the, from the bottom. So I got a drain hole if any water does get inside okay. those holes. So I'll take a long drill bit and I'll drill a hole sort of up, lower up, down and then up into the cavity. Okay. So I'm basically making a drain. Yeah. Right. So that the water, any water moisture does get in there. It can get out because otherwise that moisture and wood. Yeah. Where does it go? Just rots, right? Yeah. Just makes it worse and worse. So there are ways to kind of keep it going a little bit longer, longer. but it's probably on it, its last legs. It's, it's on its way out. So it's it's just that type of age or something happened to it. Uh, maybe wrong pruning practices mm-hmm. will also make it stems rot right into the main trunk. Uh, so just a matter of now starting again. All right. Uh, we are going to take a quick break and then we'll get to more of your questions. You can give us a call or text at one 332 8255 you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. 
You're listening to Garden Talk on 650CKOM and 980CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. Rick, looks like we're going to be busy for the last yep. couple minutes here. Um, we will the jump. Power, power, power. <laughs> the power hour. <laughs> <laughs> we will jump right in. We have Diane waiting on the line. Good morning, Diane. What's your question for Rick? Good morning. morning. I have an amaryllis plant that I received for Christmas. Yes. And it was blooming when I got it, and uh, there was a new bud on it, which also bloomed. And uh, then when uh, that finished blooming, there was another bud coming, and uh, but it actually uh, got bigger, but then it fell off. The whole little stem that it was on, it just fell off. Okay. So um, I was wondering, you know, what I... Is this, did or didn't do. <laughs> is this is this in a pot or is one of the wax covered ones or which was it? It's in a pot. It's in a yes. pot. Okay, so, and it's only like a five inch sort of pot. It, so yeah, that's fine. Uh, one thing to watch for the bulbs is that you can sometimes what will happen is that if it if it if it sort of rotted off or mm-hmm. fell off, and a lot of times is because we we're being too kind, and oh. and we're we're overwatering it. That's usually That's the number want. one reason why the amaryllis has problems is from overwatering. Okay. Okay, because I had gone away for a few days and left it, and I probably overwatered it a bit before I left yeah. because I didn't want it to get too dry. Yeah, so. it probably would have been better off just to give it your normal watering, and it would have been mm-hmm. fine for the time until you got back. Okay. And oh, okay. so, but if you give it that extra bit of water, uh, mm-hmm. they kind of complain about that. They don't like oh, that okay. at all. So. Okay. And- so and now what leaves, you want to, now what you want to do now is that just treat it as a house plant because it's probably going to put some leaves out mm-hmm. now, okay? It, it's got some really long leaves. Yep, that's I, that's perfect. Okay. That's okay. perfect. So now and if it still has a stem on it, you don't cut that stem off until it turns brown, okay? Oh. Okay. If it's if it's still green, it's putting energy back into the bulb, okay? Okay. And then mm-hmm. so then what you do is just treat it like a house plant and then mm-hmm. and then put it outside and on the deck if you want for the summertime or even plant oh. plant it in the garden if you want. And in the oh, okay. in the in in basically the beginning of September, then you before uh-huh. you get the frost I like those mm-hmm. cool nights because that helps to set it up for next year. Mm-hmm. Then I'll bring it back into the house, okay? And then oh. I'll just keep it growing in the house in a spot, even a cool place be best, okay? And then uh, basically about the end of September is then when you put it out and start getting it growing again so that you're going to get a flowers for the next Christmas. Oh, okay. okay. That's great. Thank you very much. And you can have that plant for many, many years. So. Oh, I hope so. Just don't over, right. don't, don't over water. That's all. That's a big <laughs> okay. one. Okay. 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 Yes. Great. Thanks, Thanks Diane. Okay. Bye, Bye now. now. Uh, we have Judy in Prince Albert. Good morning, Judy. What's your question for Rick? Hi there. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I've got two quick questions. One is those little orange bugs that uh, I've never had them before other than the last couple of years. They get onto the lilies in the spring yes. and just chew them right up, and eventually they'll travel to the other plants as well, but they go straight for the lilies. Yes, they do. And I tried uh, spraying them with some um, dish soap and water, but that was didn't do anything for them. <laughs> yeah, if you do that, you have to keep on top of it. And look on the bottom side of the leaves because you'll see an egg mass. They're little orange okay. eggs, okay? And then you can just oh. you can just scrape them off with your fingernail. That's a good way. And have a little you know a little jar or something like that, or uh, like a Tupperware mm-hmm. little Tupperware container that you drop right. them into that, and then you can toss them into the garbage after that. Those are the eggs that if you can keep on top of those. 
But the, the bugs themselves, because they're going to be in the soil and then come back up again, um, you, if you keep the dish soap up and you've got to spray the backside of the leaves, okay, especially... Uh, or you can, or you can use a product uh, called. If you're going to use more of a soap type, um, one product I use is called Andol because it has a little oh. bit of pyrethrin in it. And uh, oh. like I, I will use a product called Ambush, and uh, which is called Bug X now. They changed the mm-hmm. name of it, but it's a pyrethrin. And if you spray that, and you have to do that, you have to basically every ten days, and then you can keep on top of it and keep those bugs off. Okay. Okay, and like if there were any other bugs, like any other um, types of bugs in the, in around them as well, that would look after them too? Yeah, well, things like the praying mantis, I would imagine it would eat those as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, otherwise, there's, they don't have that many predators. That's the problem, you see. Yeah. And um, that, that's, that's the problem they have right here in Saskatchewan right now is that they came in from other provinces and now we have them and they don't have that many predators. I would imagine yeah. the prairie mantis pretty much eats anything that moves, so I'm yeah. sure that it would eat it. Uh, but the problem is that they work so quickly, they get they come in numbers that they'll eat your leaves on bef- before your prairie mantis even find them, right? And oh. um, so you'll just have to keep... And then once you have praying mantises, you can't be spraying, Yeah. right? And so that's the problem. So yeah. um, if for your lilies, you're best off just to use that end all rather than just your, your insecticidal soap, because it has just a, Andal has a little bit of pyrethra on it, and that's what really will, will get the, uh, the lily beetle, okay? Okay, perfect. And um, the other one was um, these little black bugs in the house. Uh, I was wintering a bunch of plants, um, uh, and the last month or so, uh, these little, like the teeny little flies, like no seams. <laughs> yep, yep. They're called fungus yeah. gnats. Fungus yeah, gnats. The best way. To, the best way to get rid of those is um, we do. There is a, a called a pot popper, which is a nematode, which is a beneficial insect. Again, you could put it in your soil, or you can just use your little yellow sticky traps to catch the adults. And another way you can do it is put a slice of potato on top of the soil. And then the, those little worms, for the, for the flies were little worms, they'll mm-hmm. come to this, to the, into potato, and every couple of days you pick the potato off and have a little spoon, and you'll see some just underneath there, and pick them up and toss them, everything mm-hmm. away, and then put another piece of potato in there. After about three or four times of putting potato on there, you'll get rid of all your fungus gnats. Oh, well, that's awesome. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's a big help. Good. Thanks, and- Judy. Well, thank you very much, and I really enjoy your show, so I hope you keep going forever. (laughs) Thank you, you, Judy. Bye now. Okay, thank you. We have Linda on the line also with uh, an insect question, it looks like. Uh, Good morning, Linda. What's your question for Rick? Uh, Well, I think I had flea beetles last year because my turnip tops were looking like lace, like they were full of holes. Now, I was online the other day looking at that, and they said to try planting like lemongrass or catnip, something like that. the the smell, I guess, is strong. I'm not sure. Companion planting, right? Yeah. Even marigolds. Oh, marigolds, okay. So other than that... Other than that, you use what's called a crop cover. Okay. Okay. So right when you plant, you can buy cautious now, which is actually little little rings that you, yeah. can, you can expand out, and they're like a little mm-hmm. greenhouse. Mm-hmm. You can put over top of your rows. So you plant your your plants, and then you, you you plant your seeds, and then you put your 
uh, your crop cover over top. Uh-huh. And so that's one thing nice about the Kosh is that it, it's little rings that keep it off the ground. Or you can use a little, if you just buy the regular blanket, you can put some sticks up there to hold it up. And then you can, then by the time the canola crops come out, they'll disappear to the canola crops, but you have to get to that point. Mm -hmm. But before that, they'll just destroy your, within a night, they'll, they'll finish off your radishes, turnips, all those kind of things. Well, but it was in the fall. Yeah. The turnip leaves were big, and I went out there and I thought, holy cow, it looks like a lace. Harvest, harvest time. They're on the move again, right? I guess so. Now, would they, would they, like I had lettuce growing, and I went out to pick some, and it was gone down to the ground. Would they do that? Uh, it could. Or do I have a bunny in the house? You yard? probably have a bunny, because yeah. you'd see you just see holes littered into the into the leaves. You would notice yeah. it. Yeah, but yeah. this was this was chewed right down. Yeah, no, it's a gopher, or a vole, or a rabbit. We're gonna have to cut okay. you short here, Linda. Unfortunately, we've come to the end of the show. But thank you thank so much you. for your call. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank okay. Bye bye. We'll be back next week with more Garden Talk. I've been Aaron McNutt with Rick Van Dyven. Yeah, we did it. It's fun to be back in the, back in the saddle <laughs> Back again. in the chair. Yeah. You've been listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.